Happy Sabbath. It's a pleasure to be back with you again. Um, I'd like to start off with a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much that you have, are so patient with us and that you promise us all the strength we need. Um, and I, I pray that you'll give us the Holy Spirit like you promised, um, that we can take this gospel to the world and that you can come back soon for your kids. And I, I just ask that this week you will put on our hearts um, people in need, whether they are here or far away, and that you will, you will help us to remember that there are people dying not knowing you, and we have the power to do something about it. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, earlier, about a week or two ago, I don't even remember who I was speaking with or where I was, honestly, but someone asked me a little bit about what my plans were for the future. And Rue and I's plans has always been that after a few years here in the States of getting ready, we want to go work abroad again as missionaries. Rue grew up as a missionary kid. She was, she's Filipino, but she's never lived there. She was born in Taiwan. She's lived in, in California, South Africa, Montana, and here. She spent a semester in Zimbabwe. I've worked in Tanzania and Bolivia and been on a lot of short-term mission trips. And there is nothing quite like it. I cannot wait to get overseas again. And I want to share with you the reason why I believe I do need to go someday. Um, first, I'm going to need some volunteers from the audience, and I'm going to pick on the same group that was just picked on. Can I get 10 young people? It has to be 10, and there will be candy involved at the end. Come on up. You just come. Come. First 10? First 10 only? I am bribing them, yes, but for a good cause. All right, let me count. I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You can come too. Yeah, come on up. Oh, I just... I just ran, you know what, I, I do only need 10 up here right now, but I have an extra piece of candy for you. You can sit back down, but I think I have 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Oh, that's 9. I can't even count. You can come up. Come on up. All right. Uh, that's 10 right here. I want you to imagine that these 10 people behind me represent the entire world's population uh, right now. Yes. All right. Uh, I would like to have... Uh, Hold on just a second. I'll look back at my numbers again before I forget. Oh, yeah. I would like to have you four right here. Just raise your hand real high. Take a step forward. Raise your hand. Both. Yeah. These four people here represent the amount of the world's population that has still never known about Jesus. I'm not even talking about the Adventist message now. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. I was in a, a, a foreign missions committee meeting where it was mentioned that Sometimes we act like the work is almost done and Jesus is going to come back any day now. Maybe we're just waiting for the Pope to get his act together so that we can go home. And yet, there are still, this pe these people here represent over 3 billion people in the world that are unreached with the gospel. Not just the Adventist message, but they do not know the gospel of Jesus. Thank you, guys. Take a step back, uh, back in line with everybody else. All right. I want to I get to North America now where we live. So in North America, there are about 583 million people that live here. Um, I would like to ask, uh, can you come here real quick? Just you, just you. Now, um, it's only got to be a tenth of you, so I'm going to say just your head. Imagine her head is the unreached people in North America. Everyone else up here, everyone else up here has been at least understands the gospel on, on some level. They have had opportunity to learn it time and time again. But just your head. They don't know. 
All right. Thank you. What was your name again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a great name. All right. You can go, go back over there now. All right. Um, let's, look at an, let's look at another place. Let's look at Europe. Um, in Europe, um, let's, have, let's pick on you this time. Slightly less than half of you, so um, we're just going to split you right down the middle here. Her left side is, is unreached with the gospel. Everybody else has heard it, for the most part. All right, you can go back. Now I want to get to another continent, one that I've, I've personally worked on, Africa. Um, in Africa, there are over a billion people um, that live on the one continent, and of them, 29% still have not heard the gospel. Uh, to, to illustrate that a little bit for you, um, you three, step, uh, yeah, you three, step forward right here. Three out of every ten people don't know the gospel of Jesus in Africa. Remember, it was just one person's head for North America. Now, now let's get to Asia, and I, and I, I promise I'll stop sharing all, all these numbers in a second, but in, in Asia, there are Four, over four and a half billion people that live on the continent of Asia, of them, two billion seven hundred million still have not heard the gospel. That's almost 60%. I'm going to ask six of you to stand forward. That's all the way to here. Step forward. In other words, less than half in the most populous continent on earth still don't know about Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. More than half. I'm sorry. I said that totally wrong. More than half, more than half of the people in Asia still do not know about Jesus. And if you think about this, uh, in the country of India in particular, I think, um, when people are told about Jesus, they often don't respond the same way that we might because they have many stories of gods who have come down to earth to share wisdom. And they're like, oh, we'll put them on the list. I don't know about you, but that doesn't really sound like reached to me. Um, you guys, uh, stay here for just a second. Uh, we'll go ahead and do this now so you can sit down. All right. So I've illustrated how many people in the world have heard the gospel. You guys are waiting for this part, weren't you? Um, have heard the gospel. Now I want to share with what we're doing about it what we're doing about it. I want everybody to step back in the same line again. Same line again. Let's see. I'm going to pick on one kid. What's your name? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That's right. I've heard that before. I'm sorry. Okay. Jeremiah is going to come forward here. Jeremiah represents North America. Okay. Jeremiah, um, I have 10 Hershey's Kisses here. I have 10 Hershey's Kisses. Jeremiah, you can have these nine. You hold those right there. Everybody else, you guys get to share this one, okay? Come on over here. You guys get to share this one right here. Go ahead and put that picture up on the uh, up right here on the projector. You see this little oh it's, it is up there. Okay, you see that little box around North America. Ninety percent of all Christian giving goes there. You see the circle over there. More people live inside the circle than outside of it, including over ninety percent of the world's unreached. That's like this is North America right here. 90% of Christian giving <laughs> goes to Jeremiah. I don't know you didn't know that, but 90% of it goes to Jeremiah. He gets all the Hershey's kisses. The rest of the world is sharing the 10% the, the that's left. And there's another statistic I read today that 90% of missionaries go to already reached areas. So once again, 
90% for one, the rest of the world gets 10%. All right, I hate to tell this to you now, but, but we're gonna share a little bit better. <laughs> you like to share though, right? Because you're a nice guy. See, now he has to do it, right? Because you're, you're, you're a really nice guy, aren't you? He's still thinking about it. <laughs> All right, one for you and you, if your parents say it's okay. All right, check with your parents. I know I didn't tell you that before you came up. You've got to check with your parents. <laughs> Bribery's over. You can head back to your seats. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jeremiah. <laughs> he got his hopes up. But I want, what I want you to take away from that is there is still so much work of the gospel to be done in the world, and yet so much of our focus is here. And I don't want to say that there shouldn't be focus here. We need missionaries in North America, but we already have a lot compared to the rest of the world. And that was the problem with what this gentleman was trying to tell me that was starting to frustrate me as I was trying to share my dream of helping these kids in need is, yes, there are needs here, but there is even more need in these other places, and no one is doing it. So turn with me in your Bibles to a very well-known verse, Matthew 29, 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It says here that you're gonna, we need to make disciples of all nations. Now, we tend to think of nations by their modern, modern political boundaries, but if you read in Revelation, it talks about every people, kindred, tongue. I don't even remember all the words. I think tribe is in there. I'm not sure. There's a lot of words. But basically, we should be thinking more about people groups. Uh, for example, in the country of Kenya, there are 42 different language groups alone. Um, if we've reached some of them, but not others. Let me, let me talk about Kenya a little bit more, for example. There are 800,000 Adventists in Kenya, and that sounds pretty good until you realize they're from two of those language groups, mostly just from two. There are still 40 language groups that have very few Adventists in a country that we consider pretty reached compared to some of the others. But the Bible tells us that before Jesus will come back, the gospel will go to every nation, kindred, tongue, people, tribe, clan, um, it's going to go to everyone. All of these languages, all of these people groups need to hear the gospel before Jesus can come back. And that should concern us as Seventh-day Adventists. And the Adventist part of our name is about the soon coming of Jesus. I don't want to discourage you too much, but I want to share one more thing, and that is in the country of Thailand, almost, I guess two more things, almost all the members are from minority groups. We have few Adventists that are there in the, the majority Thai people uh, there in, in Thailand. 20% um, of the world still has no Bible or New Testament in a language they understand, let alone in their first language, just not in a language they even understand. And it's really hard to have people who are solidly grounded in their faith when they cannot encounter God for themselves in his word. Adventists have 22 countries that we have not entered at all, but that doesn't even take into account the countries where we've entered, but we've only reached one people group. 
In fact, um, GT, I'm gonna try to pronounce his name right, GT Ng, <laughs> um, who is our uh, GC secretary said, much of the world hasn't heard about the first coming of Jesus, let alone the second. And that should be important to us because I want you to turn in your Bibles to another well-known verse, Revelation 14.6. Revelation 14.6 says, uh, Revelation 14.6, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. And that's where it says, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I should have just looked there. But the reason I'm pointing that out to you is because this is an end-time message that we're hearing about here in the book of Revelation. The three angels' message, we as Adventists know it well. It's a message for now in history, specifically for now. And it said that this message needs to go to all the world. Not just, now I've just shared with you statistics about people who didn't know Jesus, but we're told that before Jesus comes back, the Adventist message for this time, the three angels' message, is to go to all the world. And I don't even have statistics for you on how far that's gone. Only 6,000 languages to go and they, for the Adventist church. So now that I've discouraged you, I want to encourage you a little bit. <laughs> because so often we can play the part of the Israelite army in the story of David and Goliath and be like, no, he's big. He's real big. I'm not going to do that. And so many times in the Bible, we have these stories of people who stood up to a giant and won. In the country of Mongolia, in 1989, we have a record of a, there being about four Christians in the whole country of Mongolia. Today, we have over 10,000. That's, that's in my lifetime, 10,000 Christians. In China, not that many years ago, they were having 10,000 new converts a day. I'm not talking about Adventists now, I'm just talking about Christians in general, but they were having 10,000 new converts a day. And more than that, I want to encourage you because the gospel going to the world, it's been done before. If you look in the book of Colossians, chapter 1 and verse 23, Colossians 1, 23. I know I'm going through these kind of quickly. If you want to hear my references later, I'll be glad to give them to you. Colossians 1, 23 says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The book of Colossians tells us that in Paul's day, the gospel did go to the world, and we have, we have evidence of it. Um, I've heard of a, of a pass in, in the, the, the Himalayas um, where there's a, a Bible verse that had been translated and was put up in big letters there long, long ago. Um, we were surprised when Westerners first made it to India that they found Christians there already. Um, there's a monument that's been discovered in Western China that showed that um, at one time there was a sizable Christian population there in China. The gospel has gone to the world before, and that was in a day when it was a lot harder to travel than now, and there was no such thing as radio or television. And there were much fewer, many fewer Christians in the world for that matter. The gospel has gone to the world before. And what's more than that, what to me is what is a, a bigger sign that we should be encouraged is that we have a promise from God. We have a promise. 
Um, Isaiah 11, verse 9 says, Isaiah 11, 9, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the, Lord, uh, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we know in the, in the story of Daniel, and, and, uh, when he has, Nebuchadnezzar has his vision, and there's that whole statue, and Daniel interprets the stone that's being cut without hands. It's, we're told that that stone represents the kingdom of God and that it crushes the statue and then fills the whole earth. We have been promised that the gospel will go to the world. And the thing about God's promises is we're told in Titus 1-2 that he cannot break his promises. And that is because God's word has power to create. If he says something, it has power to make it happen. And he's promised you that the gospel can go to the whole world again. So I want us to think a little bit. How do we take the gospel to the world? How do we live up to our name Seventh-day Adventists and have the world ready for Jesus to come back soon and very soon? The first, we, we are going to be focusing on, on, on ways that you can be involved with foreign missions throughout the entire year. Every one of these mission vespers, we want to highlight ways that you can personally be involved in helping the gospel to go to the whole world. You're already very active here, and I love that about this church. It's one of the reasons I picked this church. But what about the rest of the world? We're going to show you ways to get involved. But I just want to highlight just a few broad strokes ideas. First off is we need to have personal revival. I was at um, some convocation at Southern when a student got up and asked a question, and I heard a, a really smart answer. He asked, why don't we see a big revival here on campus? And I wish... I, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, but one of the representatives of the school got up and he said, we do see revival happen here every day. I would love to see it on a, on a big corporate scale, but we see personal revival happening all the time. And you cannot have a big public revival with everybody giving their heart to God until individual people are giving their heart to God and are fully consecrated to him. And so first we have to start with giving our hearts to God. That's what the disciples did. They gave everything, and eventually their own lives. And that's what made the difference. Then we have to start with being a missionary wherever we are. If we want the gospel to go to the world, we all need to be missionaries. And that, there's no better place to start than with the people you already know, the people you see every day. I meet homeless people all the time. I live near downtown, um, uh, near downtown Chattanooga, but outside of town. And I was just there recently and, and met a, a wonderful lady. And I did help her out a little bit, and we did talk for a while, and afterwards it really nagged at me. I didn't really, I did talk about God with her a little bit, but I didn't really share my faith personally. I didn't give her any opportunity to go beyond what we talked about. We need to be missionaries here and now. Another way that we can help is by giving. You see this picture up here. We're giving to the wrong places. And I don't mean that we should stop giving here. I don't mean that at all. We still have to have lights on in the church. Um, air conditioning is a luxury I learned when I was abroad. Um, but, but you like it. I get it. That's fine. Um, but we're giving 90% here. When you fill out your tithe envelope and you're giving your offerings, I want you to consider the other 90% of the world that's not getting any more than 10%. I want you to consider them. Think about that. 
We can pray, and there are several things we can pray for. We can pray for change in our life. We pray for opportunities so that scales to fall from our eyes so we'll see the people in need around us. We can start praying for others. Um, I have family members that need to know the gospel better. We need to pray for opportunities for the gospel to spread, for doors to open up to countries like North Korea, and uh, just for there to be a path made clear. But most of all, we need to pray for the latter rain. The reason the gospel went to the world the first time was because of Pentecost. It was because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We need that again. And the last two I want to hint on, um, John Wood's about to tell us a little bit more, is mission trips. I, my life was changed through mission trips, or uh, most, partly through mission trips and mostly through my student missionary year. When I, when I took that time to go abroad, changing your location doesn't change who you are, but it does help. <laughs> it surprisingly does help because it, you begin to see that the way that we live here isn't actually normal. We are weird. We are so weird. This life here in the U.S. where we have, I mean, I have a one-bedroom apartment. It is lavish compared to what I lived in in Tanzania, and what I lived in in Tanzania was better than most mud huts I saw. You know, we have it so easy here, and yet sometimes we're the least grateful for those things, aren't we? If we have a chance to go, it's also a good chance to think, well, if God may be calling me to be a missionary, at least I can go and see. I could go on a little mission trip. And if not, I've at least helped in some way. And lastly, the way I want to hit on, before I share one last story, that is, how are we training our kids? Young people in the church, I read a statistic this week that made me really sad. In the United States, 6% of adults are atheists. There may be a lot of other who are not churchgoers, not practicing, that kind of thing, but 6% are atheists. In the newest generation, they call Generation Z, the one that comes after me even, it's 13%. That's more than double. That is more than double. You know what kept me in the church at a time when I started doubting my faith in God altogether? It was being involved and working for him. It is hard to deny the existence of God and to de deny the need for religion in your life when you are on the battlefield. Train your kids to be involved in missions. Young people, if your parents aren't doing it, tell them they should be doing it and tell them you're going as a missionary <laughs> and they should be proud of you for it. Take time, young people, to go on mission trips, to go as student missionaries. And there's one really reason why I want to share this story. My mom remarried. Um, my mom and dad divorced. My mom remarried. And the guy she remarried wasn't the greatest guy. Now, if you ever meet my mom, it's not who she's married to today. This guy passed away a few years ago. Um, she's happily married now, so don't judge anybody. But she married a man um, that was violent. He had a temper problem. And sometimes he took it out on us kids, uh, in a way. Mostly, mostly on uh, my brothers, but sometimes, sometimes me. And he would yell, and he'd be angry, and he just wasn't a representative of the love of God in our life. Um, and it was hard not to be bitter about that. Years later, I think it was my early college years, it was around Father's Day weekend, and I was thinking of what I was going to do for my dad when I thought of my stepdad. And God put it on my heart that I should reach out and call him. And even though 
99% of what happened was his fault and not mine, I could still apologize for that 1% if that made it easier for him to come back to Christ. I could apologize for him for that, and we could talk, and maybe he could come to know Jesus. But I didn't want to, and I didn't. It was a few months later when I was with my little brother and half-brother and sister who were his children when they received a call that their dad had a massive heart attack and died before he hit the ground. As far as I know, he never got to know God. And it's heartbreaking to know that he might have come to know Jesus. He might have had a whole relationship with his kids in heaven that they never had with him on earth if I had taken that opportunity. But there is still almost half the world that hasn't heard about Jesus, and they are dying. And we have an opportunity today, and we don't want to have those regrets. We can do something about it. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, without you, we can do nothing, but with you, the gospel has gone to the world before, and it can go again. You've promised. And I pray that you will start a revival here individually and have it grow, um, that we will be faithful missionaries wherever we are, but we will constantly think of those who are in great need, those who have never heard of you, that we'll be willing to help in any way we can, and that you will work on the hearts of those who you are asking to go, um, that they will have the courage to do so. We ask for these things in the name of Jesus who died so we could have these very things. Amen. I'm going to invite you.